Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Thought might have crossed your mind. <laughs> yeah, it crossed my mind. Um, you know, it was obviously an opportunity a few years back when I, when I was in Sacramento. But, um, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason. This is the perfect timing for it to happen. So uh, I'm excited about this season, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure there are a lot of things that came into play. You just brought up a good point about the perfect timing. What ultimately was, was the main reason that you came to L.A.? Um, a, Rondo and, you know, uh, LeBron all kind of threw a pitch in there to, to get me here. And um, I really talked a lot with Rondo and A. And um, they basically kidnapped me and made me come here. But not. But not. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where your summer bod probably ain't holding up as well as newest Laker Boogie's summer bod is, and I can almost guarantee that, because Cato Cousins is in the building. He's taking carbs out so that he can carve out a huge and pivotal role with the Lakers this upcoming season. Y'all got all that? Carbs out, carbs out? Good. (laughs) Oh, and also Russell Westbrook just got traded to the Rockets for Chris Paul for essentially two first-rounders. So farewell unfinished business, say hello to basketball reasons, and RIP to the Durant-Harden-Westbrook draft genius era of somehow nabbing three MVP winners but ending up with absolutely none of them still on your team. But don't worry, Sam Presti will get to try again, and try again he will, with the 10 future firsts and 15 future pick swaps he was able to accumulate from the Paul George and Russell Westbrook trades. So Godspeed in finding your Durant, Harden, and Westbrook 2.0, Sam. Godspeed. But hey, this is a Lakers podcast, and uh, we got Avery Bradley. (laughs) Um, What's going on, everyone? I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm doing the first segment of this show solo. I will be joined by Tommy and Alan shortly for our previously recorded segments two and three. But for now, I'm here to usher us all in with some recent updates and thoughts on all the newest Lakers happenings since last we spoke. Um, Yeah, crazy time in the NBA, man. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to leave the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook stuff right there and just say that thank God that the Lakers have pretty much filled up their roster. Thank God that they can't trade anyone till midseason. Thank God that they don't really have the salary to match a Chris Paul trade and also thank God that Chris Paul is making as much as he is the next three seasons because a buyout is not very likely with the OKC Thunder and Chris Paul so 
I expect that dude to get traded to the Miami Heat for three more future pick swaps. So buckle up for that and uh, just take solace in the fact that Banana Boat ain't happening in LA this year. And also maybe be thankful that we got Rajon Rondo. Punch the lights out of Chris Paul and hopefully punch the lights out of the possibility that Chris Paul joins the Lakers this year. So uh, yeah, got to look at the small wins. But yeah, before I get into tonight's episode, uh, as usual, first... Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more future pick swaps will exchange hands amongst teams this next season so that the draft in 2024 will essentially just be filled with no coherent standard order since no teams will actually be in their original spots. It'll just be flip, flop, flip, flop, pick swap, pick swap. Because it's the year of the pick swap, I checked the Chinese lunar calendar. So yes, if you want to see more of that sort of ridiculous mayhem, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, just please also rate and review us on iTunes because Tommy's wedding's coming up. We're planning for that. And also because we just put up our newest Lakers Legacy artwork logo on all of our podcast platforms featuring Kobe Bryant lobbing it up to Braun in a way to LeBron, Mamba to King, passing of the torch sort of homage. So if you like our new artwork, please give us a five-star rating and review. And uh, if you like our show, just do that as well. It really helps us out a lot and really helps us trudge through, you know, taking it easy this summer and and actually having a vacation. But yeah, we'd really appreciate it if you take three minutes out of your day and go ahead and do that on the iTunes app. Also, if you want to help us out in any small way financially, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Donate a dollar, donate two dollars, anything helps. Okay, so quick lay of the land of this episode. Like I mentioned, I'll just be ushering us in for the next 10 to 15 minutes to talk about the new Avery Bradley signing, just my updated thoughts on the roster as the Lakers have pretty much rounded out their team at this point with 14 roster slots filled. Um, And then after that, it's a bit of a weird Frankenstein sort of episode that I cobbled up together tonight just because... um, Alan's schedule's busy. Tommy's schedule is obviously very busy as he plans for his wedding, which is happening, you know, next weekend. So we weren't able to really sit down and record a normal episode. And actually, in fact, Tommy is going to be on a, on a bit of a hiatus for the next uh, three weeks to a month with uh, his wedding and his honeymoon and just getting settled into, you know, his uh, hubby bod. But uh, he deserves it. And uh, yeah. But yeah, after this first segment... I'm going to play a 14 to 15 minute clip of Tommy Allen and I just off the cuff shooting the shit about the Lakers roster. Uh, This wasn't a normal podcast recording. It's literally just us sitting around and talking off the record about our thoughts on the roster. So if you've ever wondered what we talk about and what we do and what we sound like in general after we stop hitting record you'll get a pretty good glimpse of that with our segment too. So uh, it, it's a little more disorganized and we're just kind of giving our stream of consciousness thoughts, but I think you guys will still enjoy the conversation and there's still some relevant tidbits to uh, glean from that. And then segment three after that is a small discussion I have with Alan Riley about Anthony Davis being our cornerstone and how him hopefully embodying the second half of Tim Duncan's career could mean long-term future success for the Lakers and the start of dynasties to come without much interruption. So so you'll definitely want to stay tuned for segments two and three. But for now, you're stuck with me, so let's talk about some Avery Bradley. So the Lakers have essentially filled out their roster. It's pretty much as complete as we'll possibly see it pending a potential Kyle Korver signing if he chooses the Lakers. Although at this point, he may choose to go to the Sixers for a bigger role and they could definitely use his shooting. But yeah, pending a Kyle Korver um, buyout signing or Andre Iguodala unexpectedly getting bought out anytime soon. I think the Lakers roster moves for this summer uh, are pretty much complete. And since our last podcast episode, there's only been one new signing. And that signing came in the form of Avery Bradley being bought out by the Memphis Grizzlies. He has he had an unguaranteed contract that the Grizzlies were able to get off their books. And the Lakers signed Avery Bradley with their room exception. So all they have left in terms of money and cap space are 
veteran minimum exception contracts to give, and they only have one roster spot left. They've got 14 spots filled. That includes Taylor Horton Tucker. No, they are not going to convert him to a two-way contract. There's no way he's going to agree to a contract like that, so we can probably throw that out the window. So the Lakers have 14 players. They only have the veteran minimum exception left, and Avery Bradley is their newest signing. When the signing happened, I know there was a, a, a pretty sizable contingent of Lakers Nation that was a bit befuddled by the signing, thought the signing was too rich for their taste. They remembered how washed up Avery Bradley looked on the Clippers, and let me tell you, he was pretty washed up. I tried to pick him up a couple times in fantasy basketball to no avail. He ended up giving me like eight points and not much else. Uh, but, you know, everybody's been saying it. When he was with the Grizzlies for those 14 games, he shot very well from the field, very well from three-point land, averaged 16 points, around three assists on 47% shooting and 38% from three, and those numbers actually line up with some of his prime year numbers. But having said that, now that the dust has cleared and the contract terms are out, I'm actually quite happy with the Avery Bradley signing. I think people have gotten a little too worked up over the money, and the common question people have is, who else was going to sign Avery Bradley to the room mid-level exception? And my answer to that is, I don't know, but we also don't know the details of who was in competition for Avery Bradley, and I'm just glad that the Lakers were decisive and swooped in and got the guy that they wanted. I don't care if you think it's an overpay because it's not our money being spent, and given the collection of talent that the Lakers have assembled, I could care less about how that money is divvied up. So even though you may think that $4.7 million, the room exception, is too expensive for a guy like Avery Bradley, and you think that he's a minimum sort of guy, in the grand scheme of things, what is that really going to matter? Another argument against giving Avery Bradley the room is, well, we could have saved that money for Iggy's inevitable buyout. Well, is that buyout actually inevitable? How long would we have had to wait till Iguodala got bought out? What if the Lakers knew that the Memphis Grizzlies were not going to, to extend him that favor of buying him out? After a free agency season where all the Lakers did was wait, wait, and wait, don't you think it's a nice breath of fresh air for them to actually not do that and go in for the guy that they targeted, whether or not you agree with that decision? So for me, I don't have a problem with them foregoing the chance at Iguodala. This is not the same thing as a chance for Kawhi Leonard because here's the worst case scenario. Let's say they wait for Iguodala, Avery Bradley gets snatched up by a competing team like the Houston Rockets or the Dallas Mavericks or, or any other contending team that could use his that, that could use his skills. What if Iguodala, even after he's bought out for some reason, decides to go to the Clippers instead of us? Then we'll have missed out on, on not only Iguodala, but Avery Bradley as well when we could have had him. So think about the narrative if that scenario ended up playing out. So for me, I'm glad that they were decisive. I'm glad they went in, gave Avery Bradley the room mid-level. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention with regards to the people who are like, oh man, we just wasted our room mid-level on Avery Bradley. Well, have you ever considered that maybe the Lakers know because of Andre Iguodala's close ties to Rob Palenka that they know that Andre Iguodala, if he's ever bought out, is 100% coming to the Lakers, and he's willing to accept a veteran minimum deal. So maybe he's given us his blessing to go and use that room mid-level exception on another, on another guy because he doesn't know how long it's going to take for the Memphis Grizzlies to let him go or let him off his contract. So uh, that's another thing to keep in mind for those people haggling over this Avery Bradley signing and you know trying to find all the negatives with, with Rob Palenka giving out this room mid-level instead of saving it for a guy like Iguodala. It's only for two years, just like everybody else's contract is lining up for two years as well. He's only 28 years old. He still has potential, especially if he's able to shore up some of the health problems that he's had the last one to two years. I think Avery Bradley could be a huge steal, just in the way that DeMarcus Cousins could be a huge steal. Could they bust and kind of flatline or plateau? Sure, but I can understand the logic that the Lakers had in signing these guys who have a particular pedigree, and if they can just bounce back to an even 70%, 60% level, that will pay huge dividends for the Lakers. And the Lakers also needed more guard help. And Avery Bradley is the type of guy who 
fills a need because he can handle the ball, believe it or not. He's got a crossover to him. He can he can actually hit jump shots off the dribble. And, you know, watching some of his tape, this guy's actually a pretty good scorer. He's a perennial 16-point scorer, you know, when he was with the Boston Celtics and even with the Detroit Pistons. So it, it's not too hard to envision him channeling some of that or getting some of that back. And um, he's a guy who can handle the rock not only to score but also playmake in a pinch a little. He's a guy who can play defense. Now, he's not the best team defender, an off-ball defender. He's kind of like KCP where the analytics don't love him. But when you actually watch his tape, he's a very pesky, energetic, and dynamic point-of-attack defender who really pressures guys. Avery Bradley is like when you're playing 2K and you need to strip the ball in the backcourt from the other team so you set the sliders to full-court trap. Avery Bradley plays that type of defense most of the time, and it's kind of funny. And also, Avery Bradley is just a physical defender. I think physical is the right word to use for Avery Bradley. And also, he surprised me by how athletic he is. He's like, at times pinning balls to the glass and blocking guys like John Wall and Damian Lillard at the rim. There have been a couple of times throughout the years where he's also pulled out some pretty crazy and ferocious yams on people. He almost actually posted LeBron James uh, two or three years ago. So Avery Bradley is a very athletic guard. Hopefully he can regain even just 60% of his old athleticism because man, those plays are so dynamic and can really swing games for you. So, and that's what we need right now. That's what we're lacking, perimeter defense. And I think the best parts of Avery Bradley's tendency to pressure and man up on guys is going to be exhibited because he has a guy like Anthony Davis backing him up, because he has a guy like DeMarcus Cousins backing him up. That'll only lend to his strengths on that end being amplified, where he can can get those steals, strip those balls, and just really be an annoyance to ball-handling guards who would rather not have him all up in their grill. So, am I projecting the best case scenarios for Avery Bradley? Yes, I am. Like I mentioned, he could end up just being like what we saw with the Clippers. But as far as I know, if we're keeping a track record of his entire career, he's only really failed on one team, and that was with the Clippers. So maybe you can make the concession that it just wasn't a good fit, they had too many guards, and something was just off with the chemistry there. Uh, At least that's what I'm hoping for. And for those who are saying the 14 games with the Grizzlies, that's a small sample size. Well, yeah, it's a small sample size, but but so was Alex Caruso's second half of the season last year. Why are we going to give more of the benefit of the doubt to Alex Caruso than we are Avery Bradley, who has actually shown that he can be a productive 3 and D type player for full seasons? So that's all I have to say. Again, I don't care about the money. Uh, In fact, if you take a zoom out look on all of the Lakers signings, if we just took KCP's $8 million, gave $2 million over to Caruso because everybody loves Caruso, and let's say Caruso's now making $4 million a year, and we took another $2 million off of Avery Bradley's contract and gave it to DeMarcus Cousins, so now he's making $5.5 million a year. Let's even take another $2 million off KCP's contract and give it to DeMarcus Cousins so that DeMarcus Cousins' final contract is $7 million for one year. And KCP's contract, because we've divvied things up correctly in a more optics-friendly manner for Lakers fans haggling about the money, KCP in this scenario would now only be making $5 million which is about the same amount that people were willing to give him. People were okay with giving KCP the room exception. So DeMarcus Cousins is all of a sudden making $7.5 million for one year. That's fine. KCP is making a more acceptable $5 million. Caruso is making $4 million. Lakers fans love him, so they'll be fine with that as long as they kept him. And Avery Bradley's now only making $2 million. So I divvied it up in a way where Lakers fans can accept the contract terms. But again, for me... Who the heck cares? We have all these players on our roster, and I'm excited that we do. So those are my thoughts on Avery Bradley. You'll hear more of our thoughts on the roster construction and how Avery Bradley fits in our second segment, where Tommy Allen and I just voice our thoughts, feelings, and concerns about how the Lakers could go about dealing with the rotations this year of this very unconventional but very enticing and intriguing roster that they've built, where their best playmakers are coming from their big men, And they have a slew of combo guards who can kind of come together and 
make up for the deficiencies of their individual parts. So stay tuned for that in segment two. So yeah, those are my thoughts on Avery Bradley with regards to what the Lakers can do with their final roster slot. Like I mentioned, barring Kyle Korver maybe coming over to the Lakers for that final spot, which I won't have a problem with because Kyle Korver, even though he's redundant all across the board, I think he's just a great locker room guy to have. And maybe he just wants to ride off into the sunset and play for the Lakers and come back home because he's from Los Angeles, or I think he's from California and was a Lakers fan. Um, Maybe he just wants to kick up his feet and be a break in case of emergency type luxury for the Lakers. And and on that end, because we don't really have any other signings waiting in the wings outside of Andre Iguodala, I'd be totally fine with bringing on Kyle Korver. Obviously, I would prefer to get a guy like Iman Shumpert or Tabo Cephalosha. By the time you listen to this episode, they might be on other teams. But I also would not be opposed to, you know, bringing on Kyle Korver or even like a Vince Carter. And if down the road, Andre Iguodala gets bought out, then we can maybe decide to waive a guy like Troy Daniels, who's really redundant and not necessary because of how one-dimensional he is in comparison to all of our other combo guards. Maybe then we can waive Troy Daniels and still bring in Andre Iguodala. Um, Last thought. I want to talk about DeMarcus Cousins because, man, just seeing Svelte Boogie, Cato Cousins, just speaking to the media for the first time, talking about how Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James recruited him, how he didn't want things to end with his partnership and time with Anthony Davis and how they wanted to run it back. And him just wearing that Lakers cap. I mean, it was so surreal. And, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before. I'm such a huge Boogie fan and always thought when he was with Sacramento, him being categorized as a losing player, that was more a an organizational failure that hampered him than him being the reason why the Sacramento Kings could never make the playoffs or why he was never considered a winning player. I always just saw him as a hot-tempered individual who really cared about the game and just didn't know how to control his emotions. But you talk about his how he was off-court. He was beloved in the Sacramento community. He always seemed like a really cool dude. You see him interacting with kids, and he was just like a fun, lovable, big teddy bear. And... I just think he was always miscategorized and the media always blew things out of proportion when it came to DeMarcus Cousins. He was not right in in every situation and he definitely could have done better to act more mature. But at the end of the day, I have always found DeMarcus Cousins endearing and always liked his F the world, prodigal son sort of mentality. And the fact that he's now a Laker for me is huge and... I understand that I may be a bit too overexcited and too lit at the prospects of DeMarcus Cousins bouncing back with the Lakers, but I mean, you just look at how he's changed his body in the last few weeks since the finals, and you have to be encouraged by that and how motivated he sounds to want to prove people wrong. And the other thing is, keep in mind, DeMarcus Cousins is on a one-year deal, and it makes me sad that he's only on a one-year deal, but you can bet that he's thinking about the 2020 free agency when there are no free agents, no true max free agents in the market. He knows he can get a huge payday because the market is so barren this upcoming summer. And so you know he's going to do everything in his power, everything he can to be healthy and show the league that and even though he had a huge setback with his Achilles injury, that he can still play. He can still ball out because of how skilled he is, because of how smart he is, and because of what an innate passer he is. So I'm super excited at what Boogie Cousins could bring to the Lakers this year. And also, you know, he'll probably be on his best behavior because it's a one-year deal and he wants to put his best foot forward to potential other teams. And, and my best case scenario for the Lakers is... Boogie doesn't exactly light the world on fire, but let's say he does enough to be a 15, pretty much what he did for the Golden State Warriors this year, where he averages around 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 assists. Um, But people are still concerned about a few things. I would love for Boogie to do that and be a, a strong contributor on our team. And hopefully next year, I still think it's unlikely because, again... The, the market is so scarce and so shallow this upcoming summer that someone's just going to throw Boogie, you know, 20 to 22 million at the least. But in my best case scenario, Boogie semi balls out, 
but doesn't light the world on fire to the point where we can still retain him and he'll accept the full mid-level exception that we'll be able to avail of next summer of about $9 million. And maybe it's a two-year, two $18 million contract that we re-sign Boogie to so that we can get his bird rights. Very unrealistic, and at the end of the day, I think even if he marginally balls out, he's going to get paid, but selfishly, for my own personal reasons, I would love for us to be able to retain Boogie Cousins in the event that he actually turns things around and bounces back and uh, we're, we're able to keep him on as that Lamar Odom type essential and integral role player for years to come alongside um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Um, so yeah, man, I'm super excited about this roster. Everybody's heard about point guard LeBron. I think those are all semantics at this point. You know, Frank Vogel has already shot down the notion that they have a set plan in place to start LeBron at point guard. I mean, I doubt we're going to see LeBron James in the Ben Simmons role. It's going to be LeBron, as he always has been, handling the ball, playmaking for others. I know conventional wisdom says maybe we'll see LeBron at point, Danny Green at the two, Kyle Kuzma at the three, Anthony Davis at the four, and Boogie Cousins at the five. But I don't know. I kind of doubt that. If we want to go super wing heavy, maybe we could see LeBron James at the one, KCP at the two, Danny Green at the three, Kuz at the four, and Anthony Davis at the five. That's a super big lineup with a little more spacing than the first lineup I mentioned, but maybe that could happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it's still going to be LeBron James is going to handle the ball and he's going to be surrounded by one or two more shooting wings or combo guards. So I think for me, what I envision as likely, at least to start the season off, would be LeBron James, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Kyle Kuzma, and Anthony Davis. And I bring up Avery Bradley's name just because I think if you look at the way that the Lakers doled out contracts, that may give you a little hint as to who they may consider starting at guard first, or who they may give preference to, or who may be first up at bat, if that makes any sense, because Avery Bradley, out of all the combo guards that the Lakers have, not including KCP in this or Danny Green, he's being paid the most. He's being paid $4.7 million. Quinn Cook is next at $3 million. Alex Caruso is after that, uh, getting paid about $2.5 million. And then I think Rajon Rondo is being paid just under Caruso's contract. So that's how the Lakers have their contracts stacked up. Pelinka also mentioned that Quinn Cook would have the opportunity to share ball handling responsibilities with Rajon Rondo. But at the end of the day, I think Avery Bradley probably gets first crack in, at the starting lineup. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn Cook does. I'd be pleasantly surprised if Caruso gets crack at the starting lineup. But right now, I'll have Avery Bradley penciled into that slot just because of the contract that the Lakers offered him, which again is the room mid-level of $4.7 million, and because of the fact that he's being paid more than any of the other Lakers ball handling guards currently. Um, so yeah, I'll leave it at that because again, Tommy Allen and I go more in-depth into what we think about potential rotations. It's a little more scattered and at times we're asking ourselves more questions than we are actually giving definitive answers, but we hope you guys enjoy Especially because, like I mentioned, Tommy is going to be on hiatus for a little bit. So this is the last time you're going to be able to hear his uh, precious voice as he uh, fades off into the sunset with his beautiful wife uh, in a week or two. Uh, but yeah, I'll cut it off right there. Pitch it to our sponsors first. And then we when we return, the whole gang is back and we're talking about rotations. We talking about rotations. Yeah, we're talking about rotations. Um, also, quick caveat, the audio quality is not very good because it's it was an off-the-record recording that I, that I just so happened to still have going in our Skype call, so we weren't um, individually recording ourselves via our very crispy mics like the one I'm using right now. So just keep that in mind. And then our last segment to end the show will be me and Alan talking about Anthony Davis as our cornerstone, as our next Tim Duncan to usher in future generations of Lakers dynasties. So we'll pitch it to our sponsors and then we'll catch you guys after the turn. Cran just posted his like advanced stats, which again, are they're, they're like not gospel, but he has DeMarcus as a 90 plus percentile in both perimeter defense oh, and, and interior defense for his position based on Whoops. last year's. Well, I just, uh, <laughs> based on last year's that. numbers. I mean, it's weird because intuitively DeMarcus seems like he's so slow and a bad defender, but apparently right. he's not that bad. Maybe his instincts are just really good and knows where to be. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, 
So are we going to start all three? We're going to start him and Anthony Davis and LeBron. Is that the plan? I'm still. Do you I think, think JaVale McGee here. is going to start at the five? No, I think JaVale is going to be. He should come off the bench. Off the bench. Really? So you think it's going to be Lebr- LeBron, DMC, AD, Green, and maybe Cook or Rondo? Yeah, I think so. Probably Cook would be my guess because we at least have LeBron in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I can see Cook starting, but it may actually also be just Avery Bradley because, again, he is making $4.7 million, which is the most out of all the combo guards that we have. And I think because of that, he's probably going to get a pretty decent chance to start at point guard because theoretically he does provide you with both defense and shooting if he can regain you know some health and some of his former self even when he was with the Detroit Pistons, even though he shot poorly when he was a Piston. But I could definitely see Avery Bradley starting as well. Okay, well then, what's 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 our death lineup? Is it AD, LeBron, Kuzma, Green, and whoever's hot that day? Whether it's Probably. whatever, yeah, KCP, KCP or whoever, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, and, and whoever's hot between uh, Quinn Cook, Avery Bradley, it's going to be interesting to see how they I mean, the finesse. Problem, yeah, the problem with those de- the death lineup that we have uh, now is that we're putting a lot of pressure on like most lineups um, for LeBron to be bringing the ball up and initiating the offense. Um, he likes doing that, so maybe it doesn't matter, but he's getting older, dude. I, I don't know. It's like he's definitely going to sit out some games this year. I'd feel a lot better if we had... I don't know. I don't even know who I would want us to have, but um, I like the versatility that we have at the guard spot now, even though not one guard is even though not one guard is particularly adept at creating for himself and others, because obviously the next best guy would be Rondo in terms of being able to pound the rock and create something out of nothing. But he can't create for himself. And also he gives up way too much on the other end. But with that said, I, I still like the versatility that we've been able to cull up amongst uh, almost this group effort of guards with Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, Rajon Rondo, and Alex Caruso. So it's almost like we have an, an abundant abundant wealth or a crop of guards who can do a lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, as much as I don't want to play AD at the, at the four, I just, I guess they might just feel like they have to do it that way. You mean at the five? No, or, I don't want mean- Oh, yeah, I don't want to be at the five. Him. I want to play him at the five. Um, I just think it makes so much more sense to play like AD Kuzma, LeBron, Green, mm-hmm. and then whoever. And yeah, like if it's our death lineup, I guess that's fine. But um, I just I'm, I get nervous about how this this type of team is going to start games. But you never Maybe. know, dude. I mean, we were supposed to be like a rickroll. We're going to run you out of the building team the last five years, and we always got off to horrible starts. So. Yeah, we're like yeah. a completely different team now. We're gonna just going to murder you in the post, hopefully. I like your point, actually, about... I, I still think the Clippers are going to be very good because they have great depth, and their defensive whew, their defensive potential is kind of ridiculous. If you think about Pat Bev, um, Danny... Or is it not Danny Green? Pat Bev, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, Montrezl Harrell. Like, those four and, guys... Uh, Mar- uh, Harkless is a very good defender. Oh, shit! That's right. They got freaking Mo Harkless, the the yeah. Kawhi Leonard, um, <laughs> the Kawhi Leonard Trump piece. Um, yeah, I mean that lineup is ridiculous defensively. But I like your point about how we can just pound them in the post because even I mean just Anthony Davis alone, who's going to guard him? Montrezl or Zubats? Zubats, I think. Actually, yeah. he did a pretty good job last year against the Pelicans. Um, but anyways, yeah. I mean you put. You put Zubats, JaVale, DMC, and then LeBron there. Jesus. That's a pretty tantalizing. That is crazy. They're going to bruise you up at least, you know? No, it's it's going to be pretty good. I mean, I, I think people are definitely underselling how good we're going to be. It's it's kind of interesting, like, for all the talk about how much we had to sell to get um, Anthony Davis, we drafted those guys for a very specific style of play and a very specific team. And like, we are not that team anymore. We're the compl- like, exactly dude. Like yeah. where does Lonzo ball we couldn't be any different. Like, this? like he, his entire purpose is to sprint and throw lobs and like, you know, play, you, you know, just play hectic basketball. And that's like, we're not playing that way anymore. Um, it's going to be LeBron James, Anthony Davis, pick and roll heavy, and then Quinn Cook and Danny Green on the sides and the perimeter, pretty much. Yeah. And, and hopefully, I mean, I'm hoping that the way that we use Rondo is more 
He comes off the bench. And, you know, in this sort of lineup, we actually need someone to pound the ball and make something out of nothing. And that's kind of what he did last year. He was terrible defensively, and sometimes he did that too much, the stat padding. But with regards to any time we had a lineup out there and I was unsure of whether or not anybody could create something, I knew that at the end of the day, no matter how annoying it was, Rondo would create something for a teammate. And we do need more guys like that outside of LeBron because imagine if LeBron does take a day off or a night off, who's handling the ball? Like, look, Anthony yeah. Davis and DeMarcus Cousins are great pass, or maybe not Anthony Davis, but they can obviously play make, but at the big man position. Who's right. going to be holding the rock out in the perimeter? I was just going to say, it's like you almost hope if Kuz is our third player, like third best player, which I think he clearly is, you almost wish that that third player was like, even somebody of like Lou Williams caliber at like a ball handling guard who could score. I'm not saying he has to be an all-star. Kuz is not an all-star, like not to be unrealistic, but somebody of just like that Lou Williams caliber who you can count on to put the ball in their hands and can go get you buckets. The problem is LeBron is our best ball handler who can score. Kuzma, AD, and Boogie are all best when they're set up. Kuzma yep. can play a little ISO, but he's much better when he's set up. Yeah. Um, and so that's a little concerning most of, and then it's like, you look at our bench. Okay. So we have all these shooters or guys that we hope are going to be shooters for us, but we just have to like, you know, like Rondo wasn't healthy last year. Um, LeBron is probably going to load manage this year. Like we, we need, I don't know. I don't know what their plan is. Bradley can kind of do that. He can kind of score and he also has some ball handling capabilities to the point where I think he he would maybe probably make a scoring type guard like Trey Burke redundant. He's not as dynamic as Trey Burke off pick and rolls and being able to pull up and stuff, but Bradley actually does have decent handle and he was a perennial 16 point scorer, so he can definitely get his own. And with the Memphis Grizzlies, he did average 16 points and I was watching some of his highlights. He he can hit pull-up jump shots off the dribble. He does have a decent crossover. I mean, he crossed up B.I. last season, so it's not like this guy is totally lacking in terms of getting his own buckets and scoring on it, scoring for himself. And he's a decent pick-and-roll passer. He's not, he doesn't have innate vision, but I think at the very least, he can do a good job of patching up some holes, and if we need like a simple pick-and-roll read, Avery Bradley can definitely do that and be a solid ball handler. So I think he can do some scoring. And, you know, now that we have Bradley, do we actually need another playmaking guard like a Trey Burke or a Jeremy Lin? I think, like I, like I mentioned before, Avery Bradley can probably create his own shot better than Trey Burke can at this point. So I kind of like that Avery Bradley, if he can regain some of his old self, is, is probably the most well-rounded combo guard, point guard, even though Alice Caruso has the potential, has the height if he's able to show the flashes that he did last at, at the second half of last season, then he's probably the best prospect. But right now, if Avery Bradley's even able to regain 60% of himself, he's probably the most well-rounded guy. But even with that said, I also like the look that Rondo can give us because Rondo is the designated pound the rock set teammates up guy to spell LeBron for about 10 minutes a night. I know Lakers fans are hoping for less, but you know, that's, that would be Rondo's role. And even if Rondo gets injured, we can patch the playmaking hole up with Avery Bradley, Quinn Cook, and Alex Caruso in this sort of, you know, some of their parts group effort approach. So I'm actually fine with Rondo being the high usage playmaking creator out of this uh, guard group. He's terrible analytics wise, but he at this point, I think, is probably still our best creator. Uh, a guy who can create something out of nothing. I think he can do that better than Caruso right now just because of his savviness. And he knows how to navigate the court, kind of like Steve Nash, where he can patrol the paint and, and look for and pound the rock till he looks for the right teammate or dishes it off for a lob, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he's still the best guy out of our guard crop who can do that. Obviously, hopefully Caruso can learn more from him and continue to develop um, under his mentorship. But yeah, you know, the problem with Rondo is he just gives up so much more on the other end and sucks the life out of his team much more by pounding the air out of the ball than a guy like Caruso would. But I'm just glad that in a break in case of emergency situation, Rondo still can give us that guy who if if uh, 
you know, the play breaks down, you give him the ball and he will find a way to make something out of nothing, whether that's driving it into the lane for himself or dishing it off to a teammate, regardless of how ugly it looks. That's why it's harder for me to get it's hard for me to get mad about signing Rondo for two years at the minimum because it's like, what were we going to get that was going to make me feel more comfortable? Like Mm. in terms of having a point guard out there who could who could just like you can count on him to dribble and not like throw it to the other team every time. Yeah. Um, So that's why I'm kind of fine with that. Um, Quinn Cook, it's like we have we have all three looks yeah, they're not the same player, but if you you get all three in the same player, you're talking about like a max player. But but we have we have one look for playmaking, we have one look for shooting, and we have one look for um, defense. And Caruso, frankly, might end up being the best at all three of them. Yeah. Maybe he ends up starting. So it's 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 definitely going to be weird to say see how they play it. Maybe they just go with him as the starter and then figure out a little bit more forward depth off the bench i'm not sure dude we have so many players now i'm losing track it seems like we're overloaded at every position (laughs) no no yeah i like i like all the different looks that our guards provide us with and and avery bradley like i mentioned before is that one he gives us that look of an all-around guy who can theoretically both give you defense and shooting and in the worst case scenario also handle the rock and bring the ball up the floor to help relieve lebron here and there he's not a total um one-dimensional type of guy like Jared Dudley, uh, Troy Daniels, or even Quinn Cook. He's got a little more handle than those two guys. So, you know, in the best case scenario, Avery Bradley can really be that all-around guy. We're just hoping for health and hoping hoping that he wasn't he didn't look as washed up as he did uh, when he was with the Clippers. But you know, we'll see. I, th- I think the Lakers are banking on that uh, by giving him the room, and I don't think that's a bad gamble to take at this point. But I, I agree with you. I like all the different looks that we can give defenses with our with our combo guard lineup, even though not one guy is a premier ball handler, playmaker, or even scorer that we're hoping for in the vein of like even like a Mo Williams, who, who LeBron used to play with. But I think in this uh, group effort approach, uh, regardless of who you pick, that person is going to have warts, right? That And like holes in their game that they're not going to be perfect. Um, warts in their holes warts in their holes (laughs) (laughs) but they're not going to have like they're either going to be bad defensively or they're not going to be able to shoot Um, but I do think I mean that what scares me the most is when LeBron James has to load manage and we're left out there with Quinn Cook and Rajon Rondo facilitating all of the offense. So I don't know how that's. Yeah, I don't know that's how that's dude. Yummy. Yeah, that's why I keep coming back to the coaching because it's like you can imagine on so many teams where it would be like, oh, boohoo, LeBron has to sit and you just have to deal with Anthony Davis and Kuzma and Danny Green and Quinn Cook. You know, it's like there's so yeah. many teams where you would feel confident with that. But with us, given. And it's just so hard to project because it's inevitable that you're going to fall back on how we look the last few years. But it's just so different now. Like, we have a completely different coaching staff. We have a completely different roster. I have no idea how these we guys— We really just don't know. You know, how is Frank Vogel going to use these guys? I have no idea. Yeah. I guess we'll see or find yeah. out. Okay, guys, so that'll end segment two with me, Tommy, and Alan and our off-the-cuff off the record, uh, just conversation on the, the rotation and roster. Um, we'll pitch it to our sponsors again, and then when we return, it'll be me and Alan talking about Anthony Davis and the parallels we see between him and Tim Duncan, potentially. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, Alan, so I actually have a comparison to this Anthony Davis trade. It's not a perfect parallel or comparison, but you know, like you mentioned uh, at the beginning, this isn't just a short-sighted win-now move. I mean, it is for LeBron James, but the ramifications of this deal is going to carry forth even after LeBron James retires, you know? And and, and I know we just complained about people who always look at the worst-case scenario, and we as Lakers fans will always look towards, you know, the moderately good scenario and then the best-case scenario, right? I'm going to give you the best-case scenario of this because I want to, <laughs> and it could happen. It's not. It's not that much of a stretch. So Anthony Davis, to me, and the comparison is not 100%, you know, apt, but to me, Anthony Davis at 26, he could be this generation's version of Tim Duncan. Now, Tim Duncan won a championship in only his second year and won finals MVP that year as well 
when he was only 22 years old. So obviously his winning resume and his accolades far exceed AD's because Anthony Davis has only been to the playoffs twice. He's only gotten out of the first round once. So their resumes really don't stack up against each other, right? But I think if you look at the context of how they were brought up in the league, Anthony Davis was, uh, he came on to a, like a, a tanking New Orleans Pelicans team. Tim Duncan was brought up with David Robinson. Yep. So he already had that mentorship and was able to, his development was expedited. And Anthony Davis, without that same help, I mean, he averaged like, what, 16 and 10 or 18 and 10 his first year anyways. So even with regards to his skill set, I think he's very similar to Tim Duncan, just in terms of the dominance on both ends of the floor, right? And how versatile they were. Um, And I think I compare him to Tim Duncan because after he won that first uh, championship in that that lockout season, 98-99, and won finals MVP, um, the truly dominant Tim Duncan that we've come to know really surfaced in 2002 when he ended the Lakers' three-peat dynasty, right? Because by that point, he was 25 or 26, the same age AD is now. And that's when he really took off. But I guess my main point is Tim Duncan kind of spanned several generations of Spurs teams, you know? He had the Mm. David Robinson era. And then shortly after that, he was able to contend with the Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili era. And then that quickly transitioned once he hit his 30s to early 30s to the Kawhi Leonard era. And I think for us, that's who Anthony Davis can become, except LeBron James is his David Robinson. And so that's the best case scenario. And we've seen Tim Duncan's career span for what 13 years and in all those 13 years the spurs and and obviously this is not apples to apples because the spurs are also a very solid and stable organization although some people would probably laugh at that now because of the Kawhi leonard thing uh but you know you get you get my point yeah you already know detractors are gonna say oh well in the 90s when they beat the knicks right right uh they had sean elliott they had mario ellie blah 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 blah. yeah of course that's all true and right now we have five players on our roster but my my main point is once you have a guy once you have like a crux of tim duncan and david robinson you can quickly build a stable roster and organization from that starting point, right? And I think that's what the Spurs did. And they were able to retool and refuel very easily because they had that generational player in Tim Duncan. And I think that could play out with us and Anthony Davis, with LeBron James being his David Robinson, bridging the gap, and then sort of ushering him into being the man. I don't know who's going to be our Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili in the next generation. Maybe Kuzma fills one of those roles, and whoever we get is a third max star. And then after that, I don't know who's going to be our Kawhi Leonard, but you you have to place your bets on a guy like Anthony Davis at that point. And we also saw it as Lakers fans with Kobe Bryant. You know, he spanned generations with Shaq and then Pau Gasol um, and Lamar Odom after that. But I think I use Tim Duncan because he spanned like literally three different iterations of Spurs teams. And he, 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 I think in contrast to Kobe, he was able to more gracefully transition out of his career, you know, still being like a 33, 34 year old guy who was able to take more of a backseat. And hopefully Anthony Davis can be that. And as a big man, still be dominant, even when he's in his, you know, age 33, 34 years while helping usher in the next Laker guy or next heir apparent for the Lakers. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And just Anthony Davis as the cornerstone and also, you know, with regards to our earlier conversation about the draft picks, this is why I'm not so worried about those picks, provided we're relatively healthy. Because the latest pick that the New Orleans Pelicans will have is 2025. I know that seems super far away, but that's still, that that's five years from now. If we look at Tim Duncan's yeah. dominance and the Spurs never missing the playoffs in that 13, 14 year span, if, if, Anthony, if, if Anthony Davis even meets 80% of my criteria and my parallel here, I think we'll be fine in the next six years. Yeah, definitely. Because he's going to be in his early 30s at that point. And we know if you're in your early 30s, health provided, you're still in your prime. You know, you're exiting your prime, but you're still in it. So, yeah, as far as what that pick ends up turning into, it's not like we're going to be a tanking team, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, as, as far as the the Tim Duncan kind of comparison i i can see that for sure where as you said anthony davis is that cornerstone he's like a foundational piece 
Um, he can be that, that constant factor, you know? And some people will say, oh, well, in New Orleans, like, what did he do there as far as winning goes? You didn't see players, like, trying to get to New Orleans to play with Anthony Davis. And it's like, yeah, well, because the Saints run the city of New Orleans. You know what I mean? And, like, even ownership was um, – they own the Saints as well. So it's, it's just a completely different thing. And, like, players will want to come and play with LeBron – and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles. And unless you're getting players who are also LeBron's age, <laughs> like in their mid-30s, so we're going to guess that the guys who come in could be younger, well, guess what? That means that they're going to be around for a minute, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have that combination with Anthony Davis, which means sustainability. And you just hope that, you know, at some point we will have that consistency and it could bring us through, like you said, that next generation and kind of usher in that new era uh, once we're in the mid-2020s, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, again, that is that is why I'm not too worried with the qualifier that Anthony Davis is relatively healthy. And thank God that with regards to the injuries that he's sort of compiled, it's never been a serious like ACL injury or even like a shoulder injury. Like Kobe's literally gotten... <laughs> the most serious injuries I've seen even after, even before tearing his Achilles. And I don't think Anthony Davis has even gotten injuries like that to that serious extent, because it's been more nicks and bruises and wear and tear than anything else. And, you know, maybe that may lead to a more serious injury down the road, but so far, especially in the last few years, he's been relatively healthy. All right, guys, sorry to end that on such an abrupt note. Like I said, this was pre-recorded, and I'm just trying to Frankenstein this episode together so that you guys have content going into your weekend, content for your long drive, etc., etc. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes. Uh, rate and interview us on iTunes and congratulate Tommy on his upcoming wedding in the next week and a half. Put your congratulatory message in your five-star rating and review. And also patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypod if you're willing to donate even a dollar. That would help us out a lot. Um, With that said, Alan and I will be back in the next week or two. As summer continues to progress, we'll probably begin to ramp down a bit and maybe we'll do an episode every two weeks. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll be motivated to do more and bring on some relevant guests and whatnot as we enter the dog days of summer with that said we'll catch you next time and uh thank you guys for listening we appreciate you uh stay cool heat waves coming yeah talk to you guys later peace credit card bill.